Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. So good morning and uh, welcome to all our visitors. It's awesome to have family and friends here uh, to, to witness our baptism. We're super excited about that. Good morning to our live streamers. We're glad you get to join us. Uh, for, for today, but especially for the baptism. Uh, if you were here last weekend, Andrew uh, kicked off our new series. It's entitled, uh, So Now What? And, and really the, the idea for this series came from a, a, a mental picture that I had. Uh, I was, I, I was you know, praying about what to do after Easter, and I just had this picture of the disciples. Just imagine, you know, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, post-Easter. I just imagine them all standing there watching Jesus go up into heaven and just kind of standing, you know, watching him ascend, which is such a bizarre story. Uh, it says in Acts 1 verse 9, after he, after Jesus said this, <clears throat> he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And I know that's a familiar story to many of you, but just think about how bizarre that, that would have been. Like, I mean, for the disciples, for the different followers, like the one who said, come follow me, the one who, you know, blew their minds by demonstrating what it looks like when the kingdom of God, when the power of God breaks into uh, our, this, this world, uh, the one who not only, you know, spoke the good news, demonstrated uh, the good news. They watched him die. They watched him come back to life. And now that one Jesus, now they're watching him boop, 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 ascend up into heaven. And so the picture that I get is them sort of looking up and, and, then, and then as they come down and they're looking at each other, their eyes are big. And one of them, I'm not sure which one, saying like, well, so now what? So now what do we do? I think that's a pretty accurate uh, picture. And it, it stirred a memory for me. I remember when our first son was born, uh, total, you know, super exciting event, total life changer. And I, I remember uh, the wonderful nurses in the hospital teaching these new parents, especially me, how to hold, how to, uh, you know, how to, uh, uh, you know, change, how to feed this little man. And for the few days that we were in the hospital under the watchful eyes of the nurses, I thought, hey, I'm getting pretty good at, at doing all these different things. And I have a, a, a very vivid memory of when we brought him home, we walked into our little apartment and Helen, had, my wife had a, a designer leather diaper bag. It was so nice. And we had a state-of-the-art, you know, car seat. And I remember putting our little guy, Jeremy, on the, on the table and we just stood there. Helen was there and nobody said anything, but, but it was sort of one of those moments where it was like, so now what? Now, like, what do we do with this? And, and really, now what is we, we do what the nurses taught us to do. And, and at first, you know, we were fumbling, especially me, and, and especially now that we weren't under their, the watchful eye of these wonderful nurses. Uh, but after a while, we started to get the hang of it. And I think that is a little bit of a picture of what the disciples went through. They're having their so now what moment. And the answer to that is, well, you know what? Now, now you do what Jesus taught you to do. And, you know, 
One of the things that I love about the Bible is that while there are sections in the Bible that are hard to understand, there are many sections that are super clear on what God requires of us, of what God, you know, what it looks like to be one of his followers. Uh, just before Jesus boop, 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 ascended up into heaven, he gave his followers some very clear instructions. He said this in Matthew 28. He said, then Jesus came to them <coughs> and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, so now what? Let me answer the question for you. Now go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So to answer that question, so now what? Jesus basically is, well, I'll tell you what. Now you go, go, get going. So now you go and you make disciples. And making disciples, what does it look like? Well, you baptize them. And then you teach them, teach them, you know, everything that I commanded you. And hey, you guys, I got a newsflash though. Unlike the story the guy shared about the nurses, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'll be with you always. And last weekend, Andrew talked about the first part of verse 19 of the section that I read uh, about on, on making disciples. And this weekend, I'm going to continue and I'm looking really at the second half of verse 19 on, uh, on uh, baptism. And this is our baptism weekend. We do it twice a year, spring and fall. And I, I love our baptism weekend. Last night was a blast to baptize people. I, people, I think I feel the most like a pastor when I get to put people under the water and just hold them down. It just feels powerful. No, I didn't. These guys are like, wait, what? But it's so exciting. And, and so I think this weekend we're baptizing, I think it's 12 or 13 people and uh, very exciting. And, and, you know, at least 12 or 13. And I say at least... Because part of our tradition here is, uh, at the end of my talk, I'm going to invite anyone here, if you're 10 years of age or older, with your uh, parents' permission, uh, and if you've never been baptized, and if you're a follower of Jesus, or if, if, if you decide to follow Jesus today, uh, would you consider getting baptized today? And your first thought is, well, what am I going to wear? Well, we have beautiful 1974 uh, sweat tops, matching tops and bottoms that we have available for you. They're not from 74, but, they're, but we do have clothes for you. So, so for some of you, be thinking about that as I we, as we, uh, go through this talk. So first, let's pray, and then we're going to jump in, and we'll talk more about baptism. So Lord, we do... Uh, we thank you for this weekend. I, I thank you for family, for friends that are here. I pray for all our visitors that they would feel very comfortable and very welcome. Uh, but Lord, most of all, I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, the one that has always been, who, who according to your word, you, you made everyone in this room. You made everyone who's watching online. And I pray wherever we are, uh, that you would come close today. You would come uh, be personal with each one. So we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so talking about baptism, I'm going to start general and then move towards more specific. So number one is very general. Here's an easy question. What is baptism? Survey says. But uh, So in the Protestant church, we have two sacraments. We have two practices that Jesus clearly commanded us to do in the Bible. Number one is the Lord's Supper, communion. And number two is uh, baptism. In, in the New Testament, where we see baptism, the uh, Greek word is baptizo, which means, simply means uh, to dip, to sink, to immerse. 
And here in the vineyard, we believe in, you know, in full immersion uh, baptism. Now, I know for some people that's a challenge. So we are, we, you know, there's a lot of creative ways that we can help people. But primarily, we're going we're gonna to dunk people. And again, it's someone who is 10 years of age or older. And we don't see 10 as a, as a magic age. We, we see it more as a, as a marker. And, and, and what I mean is we want everyone who's going to get baptized, we want everyone... Uh, younger, older, whatever, we want everyone to understand the decision that they're making. We want them to understand what they're doing, and we want them uh, to be able to maintain their own daily relationship with Jesus. Uh, it was mentioned, Pam said this earlier, at the vineyard, we don't baptize babies, we dedicate them to God. Uh, May 21st, 22nd, you can sign up for that. But we, we believe that that's biblical. Uh, see the story in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament of this little... Uh, boy Samuel, and he was dedicated to God. So uh, that, but also the fact that we believe there should be understanding uh, regarding the decision that they're, that they're making. So uh, last weekend, Andrew talked about being a disciple. Verse 19, let me read it again. <clears throat> Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And a simple summary of, of what Andrew said uh, last weekend basically is this, to effectively do the work that Jesus has given us as his followers, the work he's given us to do on, on planet earth, which is to, according to what he said there, which is, which is to make disciples. Well, it's really important, first of all, if we're going to do that, to first be his disciples, to be followers of Jesus uh, ourselves. And, and, you know, if you didn't hear Andrew's talk last weekend, I strongly recommend go online, bcdc.org. It was an excellent start to the series. And uh, don't do it right now, but do it later. Uh, uh, it's going to be very helpful for this series. But, but from, the, from the text that I read, really what is implied in making disciples is that as soon as someone makes a decision to follow Jesus and to commit their life to him, well, basically it says there, the next steps are, boom, you, you baptize them. And then it's that lifelong process of teaching them now, teaching them uh, all that Jesus did, all that Jesus taught. And understand that uh, getting baptized, getting baptized doesn't make you a disciple. Getting baptized doesn't make you a Christian. That is not magic water, right? Now, Baptism can be a powerful experience as God meets you in the tank and we pray that for everybody. But, but really, uh, uh, what it is, though, is it's more of a demonstration to God and to others of an inward, genuine uh, decision that, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to commit my life to him. A simple way to put it is baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward decision. <clears throat> now, it's interesting, when you look at the Bible, we don't see baptism in the Old Testament. It's a big chunk of the Bible, but we don't see baptism. What we really see are ceremonial washings, bathings, uh, primarily for the priests. Uh, there's a really cool story in 2 Kings 5 of a guy named Naaman who he's told he has leprosy. He's told, hey, go dip yourself uh, seven times, I believe it was, in the Jordan and, 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 you know, for healing. But we, we don't see baptism as we understand it today. In fact, we don't see baptisms till we get into the New Testament and we meet this very interesting individual named John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And if you're at all familiar with John, he, he was a very unique 
individual. And, and you know, understand that John the Baptist, <coughs> excuse me, he wasn't just some, you know, he just some super charismatic, you know, uh, guy that sort of came out of the wilderness and, and he, you know, went into Jerusalem and, and sort of shows up and just stirs things up with his words and, and just willy nilly just starts dunking people in the river. Like understand that John the Baptist, when you really look at his life, I mean, this man was totally planned and sent by God for a very important purpose. Uh, you look at John the Baptist's life, John's very existence, his birth was miraculous. You can read the whole story in, in Luke 1, but his parents, Zechariah, a priest, his mom, Elizabeth, she's a really good cook, it's in the text, but, but, <laughs> but they're, they're childless and they're long past childbearing years. But then an angel shows up and says, hey, I have really good news for you. You're going to have a baby boy, and he's a very special little boy. Uh, God has some very, very unique plans for this little man. And wouldn't you know it, just like the, just like the angel said to them, they have a little boy, uh, and they name him John. His very existence, uh, his, his birth is totally miraculous. And then John's life purpose was prophesied long before he even existed. Uh, two prophets in the Old Testament, Malachi and Isaiah, speaking the words of God. They say, I will send my messenger, John, ahead of you, Jesus, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so literally out of the wilderness with a very unique fashion sense comes John the Baptist, and basically he shows up on the scene and he just goes, hey, hey, everybody, listen up. Something really big is about to happen. Someone is coming who's going to change everything. God is up to something really big, and you need to get ready. You need to repent. And basically what John taught was you need to get ready by getting baptized. Uh, uh, you know, as a sign of, of confession of your sins and really like an outward sign, an outward declaration of, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready for what God is, is going to do by being, you know, dunked fully in the water. And, and when you think about that, again, remember, this is, John is the first time that we see baptism in the Bible. So it's like, well, wait a minute, John. Why, why, would, why would that be the sign? Why would that be at all meaningful to, to the people? Right? You know, the way to get ready is, you know, you need to go to this conference or you need to read this book or you need to, you know, take this class or no, you need to get dunked underwater and then be lifted out of the water. Why, why would that at all be meaningful? Well, number one is what is baptism? Number two is what baptism represents. And isn't it interesting that when you look at these two practices, these two uh, sacraments that Jesus commanded us to do, baptism and communion, both of them are very simple, yet both of them are super symbolic. Like, I just consider baptism. I mean, we, you know, I see some of you have got your little, your little baptism, their cool little cup things with the, you know, you've got that little tiny cracker, and it's not even wine. We don't even give you wine. It's, I think it's juice, but it's, it's got a great flavor to it. So, but but just think about it. We sort of, and we drink that juice. Such a simple little practice. And yet it, it represents like the, it represents the event of all events where, you know, the, the, the eternal history 
For every human being now has been changed or potentially changed because of what Jesus did on the cross. So in that little practice, we are, you know, it represents such a, you know, a simple practice, such a symbolic meaning to it. Baptism is the same. Baptism is simple, kind of goofy, if you think about it, but very symbolic. And, you know, today when we read the Bible, when we read the different stories in the Bible, we have the advantage of having the entire story. Or at least we have the opportunity to know the entire story from Genesis to Revelation. And that's so helpful when you can look at the Old Testament and New Testament and go, oh, so that's connected to that. And oh, that fulfills that prophecy. And like, it's just, it's amazing how connected God's word, how, how, how connected it is. But understand that the time of, of John the Baptist, you know, uh, uh, the people then, they didn't have the entire story. They didn't have a version app. <laughs> like all the different things that we have today, they basically had chunks of the Old Testament that would be read to them. And, and memorization was way more common then. But, but, but where I'm going with this is that in, in, at this time, uh, the people would have known that in the Old Testament, there are significant stories about God, his people, and water. And, and so I think when, when John shows up and he's like, hey, hey, listen up, something really big is going to happen. You need to get ready. And he starts baptizing people. You need to respond by getting baptized. I think for these people who would have been very familiar with the Old Testament, I think it would have triggered some thoughts. So for instance, in the, in the book of Genesis, you know, really early on in the story, there's the story of uh, Noah's Ark. Noah and his family, and they live at a time uh, where society is just a mess, right? They didn't even have the internet, <laughs> social media to mess things up, but they did a really good job on their own. But it just, they were such, it was such a godless society. It was very evil. And God basically looks down, if you're familiar with the story and says, you know what? I think I need to do a bit of a reset here. We're going to, you know, I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to wipe everybody. I'm going to wipe everything out except, except for Noah and his family right, who were faithful to God, who were chosen by God. And here's the point. Uh, Noah and his family are rescued by God through the waters of the flood. First uh, Peter 3, verse 20 says this. To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, just a little thought there of the patience of God. Those people could have turned. They could have turned back and repented for how they're acting. God gave them an opportunity that jumped out at me. Uh, in, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. I, I, I'm sure that story would have been stirred in their hearts, as they, in their minds, as they saw John and listened to John. Another story, really the big story, the big, the big kahuna is the, is the story in Exodus, of the, of the Exodus, of God's people. They're enslaved in Egypt, and now they're delivered by God. Delivered, he uses you know, Moses, who's like a superhero to these, you know, to the first century Jewish people. And, and he uses, raises up Moses as a, as a deliverer, and he delivers them from the Egyptians, he deli their deliverance from, they're delivered from slavery. And really that deliverance is made complete when they pass through the waters of the Red Sea. 
Because again, as you're, if you're familiar with the story, as they pass through the waters, God, the way the, you know, the water comes back and wipes out their enemy. There's a, there's a deliverance that happens there. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, it says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea, passed through the water. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Again, we have the entire story. We know, we know who Jesus is, but for them, they, they wouldn't have clued in yet who Jesus was, and, and, but they saw Moses. Moses was a picture of the coming Messiah, of the coming you know, deliverance. So this, this imagery of passing through water was imagery of, of, you know, of, of being baptized into or identifying with this deliverer, with this Messiah. So this Old Testament imagery uh, would have been stirred, would have been stirred as John did what he did and said what he said, this imagery loaded with meaning symbolic to those people who knew the Old Testament. But now, now we know that, but we also know the, the entire story. And so we know that baptism, it rep- represents even more to us. It represents the death and resurrection of Jesus. Romans 6 verse 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And I'm gonna talk about this uh, a little more in my final point, but baptism, baptism uh, is identifying oneself with Jesus, right? Basically, baptism is saying, hey, I just want you all to know that I'm with him, that I'm with, I'm with him, I'm with Jesus. I, I just want you all to know that I, I want to follow him, that I, 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 want to, I want to belong to him. And notice the language from what I read, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, it's, it's, it's a very relational picture. And so baptism represents like Jesus, there's, there's a death, you're going under the water. But then it also represents a resurrection, a coming back to life and not just coming back to any life, it's coming back to new life. And, and really it's coming back to enter into or a greater awareness of our eternal lives now. And that might be confusing. And here's, I think this quote will help. Listen to this, it says, the first step in eternal living is to trust what Jesus said and then to put it into practice. And I see that as, you know, uh, making a decision to follow him, etc. Eternity isn't something that happens later. It's in process now. Eternity is God's life. It's always been here and always will be. A way of describing salvation, a way of describing being saved is being caught up in the way of life that Jesus is now living on earth. See, and I think about, you know, we're so quick to just fly, fly by Easter. We get all excited on Easter. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know what? He still is today. He still is alive. He's very alive. And these people, as they're getting baptized, they're identif- identifying themselves not with an old story. They're identifying themselves with the one who has conquered sin and death. The one who is very much with us. And, and very much alive. So, so baptism represents like Jesus, with Jesus dying and coming back to, to true life. It all also represents a washing away of our sins. 
You know, when we, you know, we refer to the, the story of Jesus as the gospel, as the good news. And, and uh, one of the things that I think is so good about the good news is this thing called forgiveness, that you can be washed clean. Like, oh, what? That's incredibly good news. That, that on the cross, Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus paid in full the sin debt of all humanity. So now that everyone, any, anyone can be forgiven for all their sins, past, present, and future. They, they are all covered. And so Acts twenty two sixteen says this. It says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, let me be clear, getting, getting baptized, you know, going under, into the water, that doesn't wash your sins away because that, that was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. That's what it was his blood poured out that washed our sins away. But getting baptized, identifying oneself with Jesus is a wonderful representation on the outside, literally like taking a bath, uh, of what Jesus is doing to that individual on the inside. His his washing, his cleansing, his forgiving, renewing work that he is doing. And so baptism, this simple practice is super symbolic. It represents being rescued by God, being delivered by God, being resurrected to live a new life by God and being washed clean, being forgiven for all our sins by God. Let me end with one more point that, that emphasizes the importance uh, and value of, of baptism. And I'll set it up this way. You know, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them uh, record the, the baptism of Jesus by, by John the Baptist. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when I, when I look at Jesus getting baptized, I'm like, why? Why, Jesus? Why, why did you get baptized? You had no sins to confess. You, you had no need for forgiveness. Jesus... Jesus lived a perfect, totally obedient life. Why, why would you go in the waters? Well, uh, I'm sure there are some deeper theological reasons, but I believe one of the reasons, I guess two of the reasons, why Jesus got baptized was to give us an example to follow. And what I mean is that basically you say, hey, anyone who says yes to God's invitation, like, yes, okay, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to belong to you. Well, the example is you need to get baptized, but notice this, uh, and it needs to be done in public, right? And here, so my final point is this, baptism is going public with your faith. And the title of this series is, So Now What? And the subtitle is A Look at the Early Church. And when you look at the early church, uh, we're going to be in the uh, first few chapters of Acts in this series. Uh, almost every time a person or persons say yes to God's invitation, they make a decision to believe and to follow Jesus, almost every time they are immediately what? Baptized. That's the, that should be the obvious answer. They are immediately baptized. And when I look at that, you know, part of me goes, if, if I was going to give the disciples a, a review, I'm like, you guys are doing a great job. You're actually doing what Jesus told you to do, which was make disciples. What does that mean? It means you guys get out there and tell the people in your sphere, the people that you know about Jesus. Tell them the story of Jesus. Tell them the impact Jesus, a relationship with Jesus has had on your life, and then invite them. Do you want to 
start a relationship with Jesus? And, and if they say yes to that, uh, then the next thing you do is baptize them. So I'm like, well done, disciples. You're, you're doing it. But notice that all throughout the New Testament, baptisms were done publicly. They weren't done in private. Like, like it's not like, I think it's in end of Acts 2 where there's like 3,000 people say yes. Right? It's not like Peter stands up and goes, okay, this is so wonderful, 3,000. Uh, we, we, you know, we weren't planning for this, but make sure you fill out a connect card. Um, but when you, when you go home, when you go home, run yourself a bath. It can be cold, lukewarm, hot, doesn't matter. But when you get home, baptize yourself. Like That sounds silly, doesn't it? Like that's, That is not the case. What happened was it was no. Baptism was a public declaration of your belief in and your desire to follow Jesus. And when I say public, I primarily mean in front of your, in front of your church family. And I, I'm sure many of us, have, you know, I've seen baptisms in lakes and ponds and swimming pools and rivers, et cetera, that are very public. And, I, and understand, understand the Christian faith was never meant to be private, right? Like it was never meant to be private. The Christian faith was always, we were always meant, intended to go public with our faith. Jesus taught this in Luke 8. Like, think about it, you guys. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a, under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Right? Think about this. The last series we did, uh, the I am statements. One of them was, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Well, doesn't it make sense if you enter into a relationship with the light of the world that he's going to, the plan would be to shine through you? That he's going to shine through you to the people in your life uh, and the people who are stumbling around in the dark so that they too can come into the light, so that they too can enter into a relationship with Jesus. So uh, baptism is going public with your faith, public with your decision. And and really, I, I know I've said this before, baptism like what we're just going to do here in a little bit really reminds me a lot of a wedding. And, and what I mean is really for two reasons. And it's the impact that this public ceremony has on both the couple and the man and the, you know, the, man and the woman who are getting married and on, and on the ones who are witnessing the marriage. I said earlier that in, in baptism, uh, you know, it's, it, it's baptism is a person identifying themselves with Jesus. And basically, they are publicly declaring in front of all of you, they are declaring their desire, their decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Doesn't that sound a lot like, like a wedding? And in a wedding, you know, there's something over the years, as, as I've had the privilege to officiate lots of weddings, there's something that I've observed that's really powerful between the, you know, the couple that's, that's getting married, you know, they're going to commit themselves to each other. And, and, you know, so often you're meeting with the couple and they're all giddy and, and they're, you know, they're so excited about getting married and they're, you know, and they're, and they're talking, you know, cutesy, cutesy to each other, you know, saying all these nice things about their love for each other. And, oh, can't wait to, you know, be married and their commitment to each other, all these things. But something happens though, when instead of just when they're alone sharing those, those words of love and commitment, something really unique happens when they, when they declare those same words publicly. And, you know, I, years ago, I did a, a wedding, a small wedding, a very short wedding ceremony in my office for a couple who were, uh, they're going to go to Paris, France to get married, a destination wedding. 
And, uh, but the, the laws there were, well, you had to get married first here in the U.S. before you could go there. Makes sense. But, um, but so they show up to my office. You've got the bride and groom. You've got some friends of the bride. You've got, the, I think, the mother of the bride, mother of the groom. And, you know, and it, they're coming in my office, and I'm joking around and talking, and, hey, how you doing? Just trying to settle everyone down. And then, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of laughter, et cetera. It's very lighthearted. But then I noticed that the the atmosphere in the room totally changed. When I said to this couple, hey, could you guys face each other, hold hands, and look into each other's eyes and and repeat after me as, as you say your vows to each other. And suddenly, and this happens like every time I get to do a wedding, suddenly it got very serious. And the bride teared up. And behind me, I could hear... You know, I could hear, I could hear that people, that was like blowing your nose. That's what that noise was, by the way. I could hear people crying and, you know, and it's like, wait a minute. What's the big deal? Why is everyone crying all of a sudden? Like what just happened? Well, you know, I think what just happened is they were making a vow publicly before God and before others. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's so similar to what we see in baptism. John 6, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. No one can start a relationship with me, Jesus is saying, unless the Father draws them to me. And understand that the people that are getting baptized, those that are on the list and those that are maybe thinking about it, uh, uh, they are doing it as a response to God's pursuit of them. God has pursued them with his love, with his, you know, with his, his grace, et cetera. He's pursued them and invited them to take this step. And so today, they are publicly, basically, God has already said, I do to them. But today, they are publicly getting up in front of their church family, and they're saying, I do, back to him. A, a public ceremony, a wedding has impact on the couple, but also on those witnessing uh, the marriage. The early church had a, had a frequent challenge that they would give to each other, and it was simply this, remember your baptism. And, and another way to put it would be, remember the day that you got married to, to Jesus, if you will. And I know that when my wife, Helen, and I, when we go to a wedding and I'm not officiating and we get to sit together, uh, every wedding we go to, uh, at some point, we, we take each other's hand. And something goes on in our hearts. Even though it's like 35 years ago, I was 12 when we got married. But we're watching, you know, we're witnessing this couple exchange vows. And what's happening? Our hearts are being stirred. And I'm looking at Helen and I think, ooh, I remember the day that I, when she walked in the room, I literally, literally took my breath away. When she walked in, she was just stunning. She still is stunning. But, but I, it's, it's watching this couple exchange their vows, and we're, it's reminding us of the vows we made to each other. It's, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And so, and so let me end with this. Today, if you've, if you've been baptized, well, my challenge to you is remember your baptism. Be thinking about it. As you watch these people get baptized, be thinking about the day you said yes to Jesus, the day you... Uh, uh, got married to him in a sense. And, and I would encourage you to reach over and take his hand symbolically, if that would help you. Uh, but also, if you're here today, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're 10 years of age or older, uh, if you've never been baptized, if you've never walked the aisle or declared I do publicly 
I, I want to invite you to, to consider getting baptized today. Uh, again, are there any takers? I know this is like putting you on the spot. Any takers? Okay, if you're thinking about it, we have sweats, very attractive sweats. Okay, that's cool, that's cool. Okay, here, why don't we have the worship team come back? Uh, I need to get changed, and so Andrew's gonna come and take over as we prepare for baptism. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you, have a wonderful week.